Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast for agents by agents, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Jeff and Phil run a residential real estate team that will close over $250 million worth of homes in 2018, and they are sharing their insights on growing a team and winning in the living room with actual buyers and sellers. Enjoy. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, me too. Episode. I mean, like, we're even in the center. We have to roll in. I mean, because we got the Kenny Kloss. Yes, coming on air. I mean, freaking, I'm excited. I, can't, I mean, I don't think I've ever asked him a lot of individual questions. We've never interviewed him. Never Kenny. interviewed him. Right, I mean, so let's like, send him an invite. Let's, let's make sure we can bring him on without any technical difficulties. And while we're doing that, welcome everybody to the podcast, The Solution, our real estate podcast. We are, today's episode, we're going to interview Kenny Kloss who is kind of a big deal. A very big deal. For like a lot of years. For, yeah, I mean, I started stalking Kenny, as I said earlier, in 2003 or four. okay? And I have to give him the yeah. utmost kudos or credit because, you know, in 2003 or four, I was doing like less than 20 million and he was in the top 20, right? And then... When we went through the, after we went through the transition, 07, 08, 09, right? And what do you know, Kenny was back up like during the bank, Kenny, the ba- yeah. Oh, without any further delay, I think we're about to bring him on air. Wow. Do we need a drum roll? Wait for it. Oh. Hey. Kenny Claus. What's wow. <laughs> up, boys? Nice. Hey, Welcome. You? Yeah. Wow. So, I was just bragging about you because you are like, you know, when I started stalking you back in the and hey oh Pittsburgh Steelers shirt, I, did you know I was from Pennsylvania? Is that why you wore a shirt? That's why. Yeah, that's the main reason. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying that I remember looking at an MTA report in maybe oh four oh five, and you were like in the top twenty ish of realtors valley wide, and then we went through the bank owned and short sale era, and then you were probably in the top ten. And now, like, as we shift into what is the latest new, you know, environment out there, again, where I was, like, at the bottom, and then I was, like, kind of in the middle, and now I'm a little bit closer to the top, but you have maintained it for so long, I don't think we want to get into, you know, we know you're from FedEx, we know that you're a um, tremendous farmer and a hell of a real estate agent, but I want to, like, introduce the crowd to how... How are you able to stay on top of the trends that you have? Like, like, what? Where do you get that from? Well, I just I control the lists, and so if you just you just put yourself at the top, and then it just happens. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's really simple. It's, it, I'll show you guys. It's a spreadsheet, and you just submit it. And you just say, "No, I'm top 20," and they just go, "Oh, realtors don't lie." I mean, they yeah. not tell the truth, so it's so believable. All right, I'm going to go out of my office. I'm going to go sit in my conference room so it's a little bit easier to uh, to do this. So what was the question? Was there a question? The question was, yes. What do you do to – because obviously you've now – you know, it's been, let's say, approaching 15 years. Well, how long have you been in the business? Yeah, how long? 99, I got licensed. So about, uh, I don't know, 18 years, going in 19 years. Nice. But, but you were able to quickly ramp up then. And then you continue to maintain, like as we've seen the leaders in the industry fluctuate from, uh, you know, boom time to bank owned time to now new recovery time, time, but new world, new technology. Um, You've been able to stay ahead. Like what is, where do you, 
find a strength or like where do you get your admiration from? Like what, what allows you just to continue to just dominate? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people throw the word consistency around as a, you know, just something to say, but the truth of it is just consistency for us. It's just, you know, always looking to add value to the client and the client experience and just be consistent in doing what we say every month. So for us, it's always been marketing and, um, you know, hyper-local geographic farming, whatever you want to call it, is through all the markets by building relationships with people um, and not an entity, but actually people and then loving on them every month, year over year over year to take them out of circulation was really the, the key. But that consistency so that when we do our newsletter, for example, whatever the market was doing. So when we hit short sales and foreclosures, we just had to change the message in the same piece that we were sending out every month because it was trusted and people knew it. So we do the workshops and then road back home was, you know, after the short sale foreclosure, helping people get on the road back home. And then now we're doing like homeowner workshops every, you know, once a month and just, you know, not, um, not being a secret agent, just it's a context for getting out and meeting people. And, you know, it's the one thing when I teach or have the opportunity that I'm most proud of is that through all the markets, you know, we've always hung in there. Um, you know, like with Keller Williams, you know, for example, we've always been like number two. And I'm going, hey, as long as we're number two for 10, 12, 15 years in a row, I'm OK with that. I just don't want to be number one and then number none. Um, right. Meaning we want to stay consistent because you know, we have a lot of people in our organization, as, as you guys do, too, that, you know, count on the decisions that that I make and you know, that we actually have a um, we went from having a real estate job to actually owning a real estate business in a geographic area. And um, it doesn't get easier after that. I mean, you have to keep, you know, pivoting and adjusting and looking for new ways to add value. But at the end of the day, no matter what the markets are doing and even what they're doing today, they said to find a way to pivot and still be the point of, you know, reference for people when they think real estate, just top of mind. Like we, we actually have someone who we trust and, you know, and continues to grow and educate personally and professionally. Oh, okay. So it's a, is it a, a coach that you go to or is it just a circle of friends or? No, and I say that, I mean, in 2005, I went to Buffini, uh, worked by a referral. Um, it was called a turning point. And ironically, then I didn't know what a turning point it would be in my life. Right. But <laughs> it was, it truly was. And, and um, you know, in, in 2005, I mean, think about the market then. It was crazy. I mean, you put a house on the market, 25 offers and next. And I didn't have time to go to this event because I was, you know, emerging still in the business. But someone forced me to go and I ended up going and staying the night down there actually in the same clothes and everything else I wore to the event because I didn't plan on staying. I figured it'd be kind of a waste of my time. And then I realized what I didn't know is what was really hurting me. You know, I had willed my way to where I was. I, I get up, work hard, do what I say, be relentless. But then I didn't know what I didn't know and succeeding through others and helping other people achieve their goals and kind of the mindset that had to had to shift to be more attractive um, to other people. And when he started Even though you already had built what turned out to be just an incredible, you know, you have a, a, a designation, right? A farming designation. Mm -hmm. Like you already had built all those contracts, but you, you still were like a little bit unsure. Well, I was doing it on my own. Oh, you're I was doing, doing a lot own. of it you know, just on my own. Like just this is what I think I should do next. And, and I was not a good leader. Um, you know, I look back now, you know, humbly with a lot of people I was in business with over the last you know, 15, 19 years that, 
you know, I was not a great leader, not that I'm great now, but I'm always looking to try to improve and get better. And that was one thing that I found was personal growth. You know, uh, we use the, the, the phrase, you know, your world only grows to the extent that you grow. And if you want something, you know, who do you have to become to make that happen? And then I had to look in the mirror and quit looking out the window and go, that's me. Like, I have to become better. I have to go on a personal growth, you know, uh, mission here to become better. And, and, you know, not just systems and tools, because let's face it, I mean, all the systems and tools that are out there, most of the most successful people that you guys probably interview and that you come in contact with follow some very fundamental things in the business, not the shiny objects, not, you know, this new thing, that new thing. Jeff, I know we had to laugh. We were on a tech panel a couple months ago, and I don't, I think the only tech we talked about was how not to use tech to communicate with your clients when everybody else is trying to use tech to communicate with their clients. And yeah, they let it replace them and they get more distance versus that that's the piece that you can't give up. You can use the main systems like we're using Facebook now and Google to, to be the connectors, but it's still at the end of the day, you have to be in front of your client. And, and they need to hear your tonality. They need to know that you care. And you just always have to be looking to add value to their life. And when I say value, this isn't like, you know, I got to go get their groceries for them or I got to take them to the dog. I'm not saying it's that the message you're giving them isn't crap. I mean, most agents go, oh, yeah, I send a, you know, a newsletter every month, an email one that, by the way, they don't even read because it's so crappy. Right. They just are like, why would I read that? It's a waste of time. But I sent them <laughs> something like, like, oh, would you actually look at this and did it change? Did it add any value? And you think about it in any business, whether it's your CPA, a financial planner, a CPA, they don't have to be all things to you. But in that space, I need to know that my CPA is giving me the best information for me personally to put me in the best position for the 2018 taxes. And then 2019, uh, same with financial planner. So all we do is you know, a little market update because the problem is, and I, and I, I think that we as an industry need to continue to align with like allowing and, and then we get upset and we defend when Zillow comes out and says something to our databases because we allow it to happen because we've never counteracted it or we've never said, hey, I'm not sure if you heard this, but let me tell you what's really happening in our market, not the market. Or here's what's happening, you know, in, in the Arizona market or you know, they hear national news or they hear what they want to hear from a friend. I think it's our job to you know, educate each of our databases as a whole then the consumer would have a different impression of the market versus the media and some of the other places that, unfortunately, we get upset about Zillow. We try to hide people from it, but they're the ones that are communicating with our clients in a lot of cases. The most, yes. No, and I like I how mean, you put it. I like that you called it our market just to help localize it. You, yes. right, in the market. It's a good way. I mean, it's like little tweaks like that that I appreciate because when you're when you're publishing the marketing reports, we're trying to be more human, more relatable, more local area experts. And so how are we going to write about the market? And I think just like one of those little little changes like that help. I think that the added benefit that you get to add too, though, is the strength of your messages is because you have truly become a market expert, right? When you, when you, as you grow and because you, you and everybody you're working with, but I mean you, it's all of them as well, right, are putting in so many hours and becoming a true expert because you're out doing it every single day that you can deliver a better message. Because when the agents say, well, how do I do that? I think they struggle because they haven't worked on of being and doing the job every single day so that you can communicate a, a good message that 
is believable by the consumer, but when you're like and valuable and valuable, yeah, yeah. Well, I think every everybody wants to you know start at the top of the ladder. They don't want to start at the first rung and work their way up. You know, it's like I always say, like you know, the man at the top of the mountain didn't fall there, right? I mean, he had to climb, and it's a process. We're just too we're too quick to want to be what the other guy that we saw was. And I can tell you, there's a lot of people that are on stage that what they say on stage and what they do in real life don't marry each other. It's kind of like, you know, if you've seen the happy family pictures at Disneyland and everyone's <laughs> posing and smiling, and then as soon as that's over, they're back to the misery that Disneyland creates, which is waiting in lines, it's hot, it's this. It always makes you laugh. You have one great family picture, but you know that they're miserable because you were just there and you're like, this wasn't like that, right? My point is sometimes, <laughs> sometimes what's on the outside. <laughs> it's true. I mean, no, it's spot on. That's why I laugh. It's awesome. That's a well, but well my point said. Is, the problem is that some people, agents, listen to the wrong advice and they don't do anything to really find out, is that person really done what they said they're doing? And have they done it over a period of time? They didn't hit a market right. of the moment that they didn't get an account, they didn't get this, and it looks sexy to say how many units, have they done it consistently? Because that's a model you wanna follow. And if you look at the books today, they're all a spin on all the foundational stuff that Napoleon Hill and OG Mandino and Dale Carnegie, all the, the great people, Zig Ziglar's, Jim Rome, they just spun the same material. The underlying right. tone is still, I mean, if you just got up in the morning and you smiled more and you said, please and thank you, there's not a class on that. Maybe we could teach one, the three of us. But, but I mean, <laughs> look at <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, you would be in a better place instead of just follow the herd and listen to the, you know, the negativity and you know. I, I mean, oh. yeah, exactly. I mean, when, when we were, uh, we were, we were our first trip in, trip to Inman. We went up there and talked to actually. He made his way as a great Keller Williams agent as well, Mark Spain, right? Like, yep. I mean, I'm sure you know who he is. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was a, a true blue Keller Williams guy for most of his career until he recently left to go on his own. But he said, wake up and be great. And that was what we left. Yeah. But that feeling and that, I think that's what you're saying is, is that it's amazing what that can do in being positive and helpful out in the, in the, in, in the consumer's mind. All right, so Kenny, we get questions from the audience. And so our first question that I see here, and Mauricio, I might need help scrolling, is... Kenny, sounds like you are still using the mail, every door direct or paper communication to clients and farming. Can you please provide which methods? And then it cuts off. Uh, are working the best for you. Are working the best for you. Yeah, yeah, same, I mean, same newsletter we've done since 2001, uh, full color print goes out through the US Postal Service. So yes, EDDM, um, post office, same, same print, print advertising that doesn't work, that same stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, I do think, though, that there's an advantage to mailing once you've established a brand. When you have a lot of signs, I think it's more powerful. I think there is a little bit of advantage. We noticed that when we mail with other, like, because it's, uh, what I what I say is uh, marketing's not a one-time event. Right. Like, your mailer works more when you're also at every business you go to and that the, the signs are up and then you, you're on social media and you're doing like the combination, um, they all seem to work better when they're paired with other things. And as larger teams, we have that a little bit more of that advantage, so. Well, but but you had to start somewhere too and, and getting that first listing in a neighborhood and then really 
you know, exposing that and doing the open houses and the just listed and just sold and, you know, running what I call the realtor route. I mean, getting out and actually engaging and becoming the mayor in the community is not for everybody. And by the way, it's not for the majority from what I've seen, because I'll share what we're doing. And when people meet me and you guys have met me, I mean, you know that uh, we have a lot of fun, but I'm certainly not ever the smartest guy in a room. It's just you show up and be consistent and let people you can know keep that. telling people that, but when, when that you, you stay care. in the pack, I have, they started giving you more credit. So. <laughs> well, and you do, you get, okay, you get a little bit of that, but the point is that it's that relentless work ethic that says, man, this is going to suck for a little while. And then I look up in 12 months, 18 months, and I now have a repeatable, predictable business. Absolutely. As long as you're adding value. And the question is, and you guys said it, um, It'd be nice, you know, if you had listings in there. The challenge is most people are still trying to get the listings, right? So if you don't... But they can um, still be sitting in an open house. I mean, I agree with you. If you're mailing an area and you sit somebody else in your broker's open house, you still get the same credit. Right. If and the point people that, walking in, you're in that house, right? I think when you said it just, you know, it'd be nice to have the listings in there. Well, I think that's where everybody goes, right, now how do I get the listings in there? For me, I just started farming and, and showing up every you know, every month and then started doing things around that because I'm not a, uh, not a door knocker. I'm not a cold caller. I just, I'm, I'm a relational person, a high eye. And so, you know, I like when people call me to come list their house and then me to have to call them and see if they're interested in talking to an agent. Like those numbers just don't compute as well for me. Like I had more, yeah. hey, they called me, they want us to come interview. And the only way to do that was just run a route and get to know everything and start small to go big and have a hub and then grow out from there. And then it carries forward. And then you've got, you know, notes and you've got, I mean, you've got reviews and things. Because when you think about, you know, Zillow, we mentioned earlier, you know, people are going online, including my own farm and seeing how many is he sold, period. How many is he sold in this area? And that's why focusing on an area allows you to dominate something instead of dominate nothing and look up and, you know, you start January one, you're like, shit, here we go again. We start January one going, well, we should have 18, you know, to 25 listing calls this month and we'll go convert X percent. And then now it's a matter of how do we refine and continue to lean into that with all the competition that's out there, right? There's always something taking market share, whether it's an entity, whether it's an agent, just, just plan on that. But all that right. does is inspire me to, to get better, not not run. But you have to have a good message. You have to care about the outcome and not just the paycheck. You know, if you do the right thing and do it relentless and long enough, paychecks are just the byproduct of doing all those activities compiled together. And then it becomes fun again. Cool. All right. So we got to take care of the business that we're here to do the specific stuff. Because when we started looking to interview people, I just want to get to the questions that uh, we like to go through with each guest. When we started looking at just anybody out there that was doing something better for the consumer, Phil and I were looking on a website and we came across. Are you talking about Offer Depot? Offer Depot. Oh, yeah. And we were so impressed knowing that we were handling those same questions on our listing appointments when, you know, uh, the people seem to want to be able to sell their house lickety split right like and how you're you were forward thinking enough to to come out with that we were just so impressed like how did that begin well i think it's you know my price point 
you know, where I'm at in that 275 range is the sweet spot for those I buyers and your open doors and offer pads and Zillow. So, you know, to be competitive and knowing that we were going to listing appointments and they had already talked to or talked to afterwards and we never heard from them again. Right. We lost the, we lost the whole relationship was like, there's got to be a better way because this is just a tool. I mean, they're just buyers. They're not anything right. more to us than, than a buyer of real estate. And if they're making a good offer, then we should present that to our client and see if we can make it work. Now, there's some negatives to that that I found out down the road. But in the, in the onset was, well, we should be the voice to our clients and let them know that it's okay. You don't have to separate them and us. You can still have us. And we can just represent you through that process. And so we but you were doing, But to me, you were putting the consumer first because you know that the consumers wanted that offer, but yet it's still one of the largest financial decisions in their lifetime. And they still need some professional advice, but you were putting their needs ahead of your needs in the, in the sense that you weren't needing to, you were trying to help them right at that transaction versus... Uh, being set technically unrepresented in that transaction. And also before you get, before you talk more about it, I just want to let our listeners know, maybe you could give us a quick overview of what is Offer Depot. What's that initiative or that company? I don't know how it's set up. I just know a little bit about it where like, maybe you can describe what it is to help your consumers. Well, the benefit of it is really not even the company. It's just a program. And, and that was one of the mistakes I made was, trying to market it as more of a company or not even a company, but just as a separate entity. And really now just Offer Depot is our program that we use to help people compare, decide, and then move. And so the idea was that we wanted to be to real estate what Travago and Expedia are to travel. Basically, we go to the markets, we'll get you all the multiple offers that are out there because there's other offers, there's other entities buying property right now, right. not just those guys. And some of them can buy more aggressively because they don't have the spend that those guys have Correct. to acquire the lead on top of the fact that I might want to buy some of them if they're willing to take sure. that price point. So it unlocked this whole new opportunity that we went, this is ultimately serving the client. Now, yes, typically we make less per property. Um, so, you know, to your, your point is it is always about doing the right thing for the client and realizing that there was offers out there to, to try to not, not as their real estate professional, not share those with them that, hey, there's this opportunity. Would you like us to, you know, go to the markets and see if I can get you one of those? And then we guide you through the process and you are represented. And by the way, we don't give out your information because you don't have to give it to anybody, just us. Meaning right. that if the other ones don't buy it, there's a, a good chance point. they're selling all that data to other investors because they got to make money somewhere along the way. Whereas we don't. I mean, it goes to us. We submit we take all the pictures, we do all the legwork. Plus, you know, when the iBuyers know that it's coming from us, they know they're being shopped. If you just go submit, as far as they know, it's just you they're competing with. I mean, they're only, they're just- Right, they're forced to be more competitive because it's coming Correct. from any clause and they know that there's gonna be other versus an individual just making that point is very, I think that's a well said. Yeah, well, and the, the point is, it's kind of like, you know, when, when buyers compete, sellers win, right? That same concept that, it's just like if you have multiple offers on a regular property and you do highest and best, you typically clean up a lot of those other offers and you get a sure. better offer. So yeah. plus, and the seller wins. Well, plus the typical homeowner, you know, to upload all those photos, to take decent photos, and then to know how to describe the home. 
So you're submitting professional photos on behalf? No, no, just iPhone at that point. But I'm saying like, of you know, a close up of the tile to show they have nice tiles. Sure. Backsplash. Like you, other you're being a that, professional and you're helping them sell all those features to get higher offers. Higher get higher offers, yeah. Also yeah, making sure that it's cleaned up and looks good in the photos, that kind of things, because I don't think that consumers always know what is the um because we're gonna produce a class called uh, make your house look sexy. And you know, I don't think that they, they always know what best pictures look best for the top value. That you can well, a lot of it's features too. You know, a lot of it is features in the home, meaning those forms that those iBuyers have, have generic forms with questions, but there's things about a house sometimes that are unique that a computer can't tell. You know, it's, it's a corner lot across from the park or it's, you know, whatever other big full, full length extended patio, um, you know, 10 foot RV gate, things that to us, if we're out showing a client matters. So we try to get all the, you know, possible so they can make the best decision possible um, for them. And then for us, the cool thing is, is that we represent the client. Once again, we don't represent in the sense that if, 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 if that offer is good, great. We'll help you through that. If it means going to market, we'll help you with that. Whatever it is, they only have one lane. They need to buy your house. We don't, right. we need to help you get as much as you can based on your personal situation. Some people, tons of equity. They found a new house. Great. This could be a great lane for you. Other people, we need every penny we can out of this. Great. Well, at least we know what that, we now only know what the floor is. We know what we, worst case that you would be able to sell for. And it also helps us in pricing because now they're the bad guys and we just get to go, can you believe they would make you that offer? And, and we know when people are unhappy about it. And so right. it's really become a great tool. I love it. Yeah. I think that the fiduciary duties that you have to your clients to protect them through the transaction is key. And it's underplayed when people go to the iBuyers directly is that they're going there without anybody in their corner. And it's Correct. tough to represent yourself fairly because you get in your own mind and you don't have anybody to bounce the ideas off of on whether or not they're good or bad or could you get more? Could you get... And what's more important and what will get them the most amount of money? Right. All right. So, good. Solid. So, and think about inspections too. You know, I mean, you guys deal with tons of home inspections. So do we. You know, their bids come in. Sometimes we got guys that can beat those prices. So we can save them another three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in repair costs by having our guys go do the work at a better price. You know, it's just again, it's a continuation of the service. At the end of the day, the goal is that the client relationship is still ours at the end of the yes. transaction. Versus if they go around us, then they feel guilty. So they're never gonna call us again because they feel guilty they went that other Yeah, they route. feel lost. Yeah, I love it. Whereas it yeah. Well, all right. So story. I think you answered. I think you answered the first question, which was putting the consumer first in real estate. Tell me how you help the seller, because I have three questions: is how do you help the seller get more money? Um, but I think you answered the second two, which is how do I sell it faster and less hassle? Because I think that that suits the second, right? The faster and the less hassle. I think he had the more money too, because like you said, when you get multiple offers on a property, and when the Kenny Claus team is submitting the offer, knowing that they're getting shocked. That helps those offers come in higher. Okay, but all right, fair enough. But like Kenny said in the beginning, that's a segment of the marketplace. And maybe for your right. segment, it's a lot larger segment. Yeah. But there's also, like, we run into a lot of sellers. I don't know if you'll, uh, this will be true for you, but they feel that their house is worth 10% more than it's really worth. Did you ever run into a seller like that? No, no, that's new. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he does such a good job educating yeah. us on newsletters. 
all yeah, no, it sounds like a unique situation. Yeah. So, so is there is there anything that you guys do to help a seller get more money? Like, a, um, like a, I mean, like some of the traditional like sales. Oh, 100 percent, and that's one of our favorite parts. And like our workshop this weekend, you know, we go through and we show them, you know, different door hardware that they could, you know, brass versus the new stuff. Um, you know, cabinets, uh, restaining carpet. You know, I brought a sample of carpet and tile. I show them, hey, we get we're getting this wood plank tile for. 59 cents a square foot. I fucking love this guy. Dude. And you just show them. You're, like, you're guys, awesome. You do a, you do, well, hold on. You do a seminar for consumers and for your clients and for the, the public. Yeah. And, and so you, as you get them in a class. class? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. do. And so, you're, yeah, I did it. Jeff, Jeff wants to come. Yeah, I want to come. <laughs> thought, you're like my hero. I love it. I thought you were Seriously, coming. You said like, you were I, coming. Jeff said he was coming. I will come. Actually, we're, I'm going to stalk you and find out when they are, and I will show up. It's not hard. It's right on our website. So. <laughs> <laughs> so don't have, it, we do them every month. But, you know, the one thing, this we've done them four months in a row, and now I just built a classroom at my office, so we're going to move it in-house here, is that the number one thing we found, which I didn't think would be as big a deal, is the reason sellers are coming to our event is because they want to know what they need to do to prepare their home for showing. And so um, what we help them guide them is you guys, you know, you think that it's going to cost eight grand to paint the inside of this house. It's really about a dollar a square foot. So it's about 2,500, you know, right. carpet. I can do those three bedrooms for about 1200 installed new pad. And they're like, what? And then we'll even help finance that if they need it just to help them get more money um, because sometimes that's the hurdle. They don't have the extra money. You know, you're like a brother from another mother. That's <laughs> well, awesome. you just sorry. It's, not you know, we're in the real estate solution business. Yeah, if, I love it. If you want to be a value, is there anything else the now? That, I mean, that's that's spectacular. I mean, because most of the time when we're bringing on realtors is we're talking. They're talking about the consumer experience. Like I sent them donuts, or I made. You know, and I I. I provided something for their kids to entertain them, but you're actually helping them, putting them first to get more money because you're teaching them things because they'll get more money for their house when they physically improve what the house looks like. That's outstanding. I love it. Yeah, and even so, we got a comment from Elise Faye. She says, love it. Great stuff. Yeah. So Elise has never commented on our podcast before, so it's obvious. Really? Elise is one of our top agents out of Glendale. She's going to do $25 million this year in her own right. And she's just uh, wow. applauding, applauding you. So great job. Yes. All right. So now we're gonna switch from sellers to to buyers. So what do you do on the buy side and putting the consumer first? I have three categories: anything that's less hassle, less time, meaning less time for buyers in in the home shopping process, and then or finding the best house that's not just the standard. Oh, we send them emails and we take them to the ones they like. Yeah, and I think that's uh, an important part because it's always about experience. And, and I, I know everyone's saying that's a value and experience and client experience are like the hot words right now, but no substance behind them for most agents. So they say, but there's nothing like, okay, what's the plan behind what you just said? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. And, and then that never happens or doesn't happen. So, um, you know, just setting expectations. We have a, you know, graphically a roadmap that kind of shows them, you know, how to, how to get on the road home. So what, what's going to happen? Um, obviously, meet with a mortgage person. And you do that by your consult? 
consultation. Yeah, because you just, you know, but I'm saying if it's on the phone or whatever, you say, hey, look, you know, we first we want you to buy a home that's within your budget. So looking at homes is the fun part. You got to talk to the non-fun guy, my mortgage guy first, though, because you need to get that out of the way. <laughs> so that, and, he, and, and he loves when I say that, especially in front of everybody Saturday when I did it. But I said, you know, that's not the fun part. But let's go look at a house and know when you walk in the house that you can buy that home and it fits the budget that you are happy with instead of walking into a home and then shoulda, coulda, woulda and all over yourself because you didn't get qualified first. And now that 400 is now 300 and it's a completely different home. So right. really being set in expectations. I, I tell them, hey, you know, the days of looking at 20, 25 homes, those are gone. Our average client looks at 6.4 homes before they write the offer. The reason being is because you're doing all your homework online. You've already weeded out all the process. Yeah. And then we're going to go see the home and help guide you through it. And then when we get in a home, it's like, well, you don't like that. You don't like that. Okay, but let's go back to your wants and needs. You wanted to be in this neighborhood, um, but you, or I'm sorry, you wanted granite, you wanted this, but you need a four bedroom and you really wanted, you know, needed the cul-de-sac as you have family. The rest of the stuff we can change. Like if you don't like that media wall, great. It's two by four and drywall. Let's just, we can take that right out. You don't like this carpet. You don't like the counters. I mean, any- So you're advising you them, by, you're advising them and you're helping them too get that stuff accomplished when they're interested so that it's not just one, uh, meaning so it's you, not just a sale. It's just you're not a sale. Up. You're trying to, to help mold it to their needs. Right. Well, there's a, there's a book out there called building a story brand. And in there, they talk about kind of, we're the guide, but we always have to keep the client as the hero too many times. And, and I did it, you know, we win an award. It's on your website. You talk about how many homes you sold. People don't really, they just don't give a shit. They just really don't. They care about their experience. And are you going to focus on them? So everything is about, you know, guiding them through the process and, and being the solution. So it's our job to go in and say, hey, you know what? This isn't that big a deal. I deal with this all the time. Our average agents sell three to five homes a month. You buy three to five homes in a lifetime. The benefits we give you is that we see all this stuff and we know how to solve a lot of these challenges. But is this the right size home? Does it have the bed back end? Is it in the neighborhood you want it to be? The rest is cosmetics. And by the way, anything else you buy, in five or 10 years, you're going to be remodeling that anyway. Why not get what you want now? We can help you through that. So it's really just about, you know, you guys still got to be a salesperson. Like, and, I'm all fired you know, up listening to you. Yeah. Like, like, I, like, we got a lot of like, we, wait, no. we got to get better. Holy <laughs> shit. Like, he, like, thanks, Coach Kenny. Yeah, thanks, Coach Kenny. <laughs> no. You've been great. I love it. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's just clear that you're, I know it's, it's easy to see why you're leading the industry. Because you're just out ahead and doing it and being in the moment, but actually uh, not watching the traffic go by. You're out guiding the traffic and, and being in it. And yeah. what else? Yeah, and I think that's the key is that that you're, you know, we're, we're in the game. Sorry, the sun's coming in here a little bit. You know, we're in the game and, and then just, and basically just sharing our experiences with the client so that they, you know, we become the trusted guide. We become the, um, you know, the authority in what we're doing versus the order taker. Too many, you know, complaints you get is, you know, I found the house. Well, great. I, and I set the expectation. I expect that you probably, you might find the house that you end up buying because you've got access. You're online, you're on your phone. 
I get all that. What you're hiring me to do is help navigate you through the, the, all the bumps and hurdles along the way from pricing to what the home needs to be remodeled, what the future value is it, why is it a good investment? Um, that's the part that we handle. Finding the home is, is not the rocket science part. That's the right. easy part. And so you downplay the idea that they're going to go find the home themselves. And I go, that's okay. You know, I hope you do. I'm going to send everything that I find that fits your criteria and some off-market stuff that we have access to. But ultimately, you may find the house. But that's not, but not why I get. That's not why I get paid. Yeah, not to pat you in the back too much, because but this is what we're why we're trying to change the industry because I don't. I think that the industry as a whole has been too much. Do whatever your client wants, and yep. I don't think that. I think to succeed in the end of 2018 and 19 and into 2020, you have to be the trusted advisor and being like, that's really not the best one for you. Or that's really, like to me, becoming the expert so that you can advise correctly versus just being like, well, you want to write that offer, go ahead, even though you know that it's going to get rejected. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's the way forward. I think it's what you're saying is that being a trusted advisor. So thank you for that. Well, too many people... And, and you said it right, Jeb, and, and that's what we try to teach here, too, is that, you know, I don't want to go to court with the nicest attorney in town if I'm trying to win a court case. Like, I want a badass who's going to tell me, here's the strategy <laughs> we should do, here's why we should do this, and this is how I think the best chance of accomplishing the goal are. And that's where I think we have to remember that we are still sales. That's why they're hired us, not to be their friend and be their Uber driver and drive around town and then... You know, then they see a $10,000 paycheck. It's to guide them through the process. And I tell people, you may not always like what I have to say, but I'm always going to tell you the truth. And if you like that carpet, you like that house, I'll sell you that house. Hey, there's houses that back to roads. That's, I mean, obviously the Valley's built on a grid system. You're going to see them. All I'm going to share is that we go to sell someday. We're not going to sell it for the same price as the one across the street. You're okay with that. Great. Buy the house. I just have to leave it all on the table that they know that I gave them the best that I could give them and then also offer solutions. So, and that goes back to earlier when we talked earlier about personal growth, your world grows to the extent you grow. So as you start to read and start to understand different things, like, I mean, even going to Dave Ramsey's financial piece, for example, not that he's a great spokesperson on our industry, but, but then I went and taught the class and through those experiences, I gained a lot more information that now I'm a better asset to my clients because I can explain to them and their kids, I just, you know, self-directed IRAs, getting educated on that has caused a few more sales for me. Um, So I think it's a constant growth. But the number one thing I would say is that they're human beings and we're emotional and understanding the person, being a better um, recipient of the data that they're telling you, instead of just forcing things down their throat the way you want to, is how do you best represent and support their needs and listen more you know there's um you know the whole thing about you know we talk too much of course you know we now try to get into a listing appointment and say you know hey mr and mrs zeller you know what kept you up last night about thinking about putting your home on the market and then just shut up and then they right. just say well you know i'm worried about you know is the buyer really pre-qualified that's a great question now let me tell you how we handle that our contracts say that you allow us not even to present an offer until we have a fully executed prequal or proof of funds, liquid proof of funds. Is that okay with you? Oh, that's great. Well, what about showing the home and this? Man, that's a, another great question. Let me tell you how we, because the problem is as agents and as much business as you guys have done and we've done, we know the answers. 
right? Just don't know the questions. Yeah, stop, stop uh, trying to tell them how much you know. Ask the right questions to demonstrate what yeah. only we they know the answer about. Yeah. We just didn't ask them the right question to find out what was important to them. So that all goes right. back to that creating that right experience. I'm still, all right, so we're going to wrap this up. And nice I got a, I got a football question to end you with, so just hang on there for a second. But I'm still at the, I guess it's just your ability to be open to learning is what I heard from him because – I know a lot of people that are going to a lot of personal growth and I know a lot of leaders in real estate that maybe have fallen off a little bit from being the, the, the head of the pack and that still went to these conferences and didn't take out what he's taken out of them. Like to still be, so congratulations to you. So let's get to the football. So do you think that your star running back that didn't show up for camp uh, or the first two games, is he coming for tonight? No, he won't be in the Steelers uniform ever again, in my opinion. Right. So the thing was, is do you think he was bummed that when the backup did pretty dang good? Like, it showed right. that offensive line is pretty dang. I mean, like, he's – like, I mean, I'm sure he's a little bit better. Are you just talking about the Cardinals again? No, no, no. Right? <laughs> so just your thoughts on that. No, I think that – you know, what? one of the things – and I, I grew up in Arizona, but when I was little, my mom – decorated my room and when she did she went to Sears and it was either the Steelers or the Cowboys and thank goodness she picked the Steelers and, and the rest is history <laughs> the one thing I will say about their organization is that they don't play games with these prima donnas like if you got your own agenda ahead of the teams they just reintroduce you to the market like they're not going to play and I love the fundamentals that the Rooney family has and I think it it says a lot about look you want this and whether they've earned it or not you know, that's up for debate. I get it. I mean, he's an amazing player, but he's a, he's a part of a team. He's not the only piece. And Absolutely. I like I, I like that they don't follow popular demand. They do what they think is right. And they set a precedent that if you want to come to this organization, we're not putting you ahead of the team. And I, and that's what I like about him. And I, you know, I support it. I mean, he these guys have gotten so far beyond football and sport. And I realize it's a business, but it's a tough it's a tough thing right now. And I'm. I'm wearing my shirt today because this might be the last time I wear it for the season if we uh, end up losing again tonight. I'm trying to keep positive. Um, Amen to that, brother. And, and support it. But to be honest with you, it's a small part of my life. I mean, again, you know, I earned the right to watch the game tonight by getting up this morning and reading and hitting the gym for a little while, making my calls, doing what I'm supposed to do to advance my business and my life a little bit. Then I earned the right to go screw off. It's no different than like driving up to our cabin, you know, from here to Payson, we got to listen to something good as a family. And then from Payson on, put your headphones in, do whatever you want. We got to put a little bit of good in every day and quit counting on other people to make your world bigger, better. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of my agents right now. One of the things we have is, Hey, you've been at this number, you're 26 years old. You've been crushing it, but who do you have to become to get to this next level GCI and, and, and accomplishment? Not, how many more leads can I give you? Not how many. That's all a byproduct. When you're doing the right thing, magically that stuff just starts to happen. But take responsibility for who you're becoming because to get to that next level, you've got to do a few things differently that got you to where you're at. And that's just trying to open their eyes to that because it took me a long time and I don't want to take that long for them. I care too much about them and their success. And sometimes right. we have to have that conflict. There's a, there's a book called Radical Candor and 
She just gets, I mean, she cusses a lot. It's a pretty fun, you, you'd, you'd like it a lot. I thought, I thought, it. <laughs> I saw your smile right away. <laughs> That's mine. Um, but it's about being a little bit more straight with people. And my high eye doesn't always allow me to do that. So I have to push myself to be a little more aggressive. But it's because it's, because it's their goals, not mine. They affect my goals, but I, I need them. You know, I got to do everything I can to help them hit their goals. And so I think that personal growth to me, and anything you're doing in life is is the foundation. Everything else will grow from there. But you have to become. You can't say, "Well, I'm going to go to that workshop if I if I can afford to." Well, you can't afford not to go because that's what's going to maybe help you, you know, get to that next level. And you mentioned a lot of people go to this stuff. Hey, I've done it before. You get all jazzed up. You come back like Moses coming down the mountain. And you're like, "We got this," and you need to be fired, and we need to change this and do that, and then you do nothing about it, and that's typical you know in, in business so i think what you guys have going is what i've been blessed with with being in business with scott is that after i read rocket fuel i quickly realized that i'm a visionary i'd love to see the big picture and where we're going and i have a new idea sometimes seven or eight times a day sometimes more sometimes less but i didn't have anybody to help implement those ideas and once we got together our business has been on a nice trajectory because we can take our ideas and then actually bring them to the team and bring them to market so Finding those people in your life, if you're a great salesperson, you need to start thinking who, who can help you and have them achieve their goals and who can actually take your idea and bring it to market. Because you can drive it, you just need something to drive. I love this interview. Yeah. Thank Dude, you. Okay. Like, I'm, 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 thank you. Buddy. I mean, uh, that's it for today. You were just, uh, we hoped you'd be great and you exceeded it. Yeah. Like, I'm listening to this one again. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I didn't take any notes, so I'm glad we recorded it because I want to go back. <laughs> you were fabulous. Yeah. So unless you have well, something else to add, we're going to let you go. Not no, all the I appreciate fans are the opportunity. Not, they're not all going to cheer for the Steelers, though. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We need all the help we can get, so we'll take it all. So all thanks, right. guys. Hey, awesome. thanks what you guys are. Hey, thanks for what you guys are doing in the industry, too. It takes time out of your day, but we appreciate it. So thank you. Oh, we appreciate you. Thanks, Kenny. Have thanks, an awesome man. Monday. Take care. Right, we'll see you guys. Thank you for listening to The Solution, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Stay up to date by following us on soundcloud.com forward slash Phil or download the Apple Podcast app and search for The Solution, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. You can find links to all of our social media platforms in our description, including a Facebook group link to The Solution presented by Phil. If you have questions, please leave a comment below, and we will answer those questions on Facebook Live, Mondays and Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time.